This is episode 12, Batten Down the Patches. My name is Flake. I will be your host. I am joined by my co-host, Mark Theus. <laughs> Flake, always with the nice puns at the beginning. Uh, we're happy to bring you another episode of The Boneyard, and we want to start the show by thanking our sponsors, Team Rankstar, Inked Gaming, 98.3 Media, OP Seat, and all you wonderful listeners, thank you so much for making this possible. Yeah, Mythgard has undergone its most extensive adjustment last Friday, a more polished UI, some changes to Arena, as well as a laundry list of tweaks and alterations to the card pool, as uh, pretty much made this latest patch one hell of a game changer. So many changes again to Flake, and we are bringing in the help of Wholesome to cut through the jungle of nerfs and buffs, a Mythgard partner himself. Wholesome produces some excellent content and is no stranger to balance changes. That's right, so let's just get to it, ladies and gentlemen, lots to get to. Let's play the music, Enter the Boneyard. All right, so we're going to kick it off with, again, a little bit of an update, a little quick catch-up for all of you in terms of news. Now, obviously, the most newsworthy thing that's occurred was that the latest patch dropped on Friday, November 22nd. They were kind of hinting to the fact that it might be delayed, but at the last second kind of slipped in under the door on us on uh, Friday, November 22nd. So there was changes to Arena. The user interface got a little bit of a polish. And, of course, 67 total card changes have been made, Oof. which uh, creates a very significant change to the Mythgard atmosphere. On the competitive news front, there's also the Winter Wonder Brawl, which is around the corner on December 14th and 15th, if I'm not mistaken. Mark. Correct. I think that's correct. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and another free-to-enter tournament, uh, cash and prizes, as well as all kinds of glory are on the line. So make sure you're signed up for that for if you want to keep in the know just go ahead and follow at 983 tv on twitter you get all your news and updates over there but uh like we mentioned mark the biggest piece of news is something that everyone's already knee deep into which is the uh the patch that came along which cleaned up the ui a little bit again a little revamp to the arena system with a couple added features you know some bug fixes here and there of course but the most important thing that everybody wanted to see and, and know about was the card changes lots and lots of card changes. Oh, yes. Almost all of them. I think it was over 50% of the cards took some sort of change. Well, I, I'm not sure exactly how many. I mean, I have a sort of a side-by-side -side comparison. I said 67. It's purely what I have in front of me. I could be wrong. I think it was just Wait, about 67 60, cards. Okay, yeah. Or maybe it's not 50%. Then. I don't know. <laughs> we'll have oh, to ask Corey fair. about that. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, in order to sort of break this down, we're going to get to every single uh, card change uh, that I have here in front of me, at least some of the more notable ones, and uh, as well as everything else. We're, we're, we're enlisting the help of one wholesome gaming to get through this in the most wholesome of ways. Wholesome, welcome to the show. Howdy, y'all. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Now, wholesome gaming, you're kind of uh, in a world of salt and despair. How how did that name come about? I got to ask. Uh, well, I guess it began when uh, I started playing Dota. And uh, I kind of lost some friendships because of that game. <laughs> so Haven't we all? <laughs> yeah, yeah 6,000 hours into that game. And I was like, all right, we got to change something here. Uh, losing real life friends and creating discourse because of that is just not worth it. And so I felt like I needed to hold myself to a standard. 
Well, I guess so. I mean, if you just name yourself, I've named, I've considered naming myself the best card player in the world, but it just, <laughs> it would never reflect properly in the actual practice. So I just stick to Flake. That's kind of just been my thing. Um, now, you know, you're in Mythgard and you're very well, you know, entwined in what Mythgard does and the gameplay, the, the culture, as well as the content creation aspect of it. But was Mythgard your, you know, it's your, maybe your most recent CCG, but what, how deep does your CCG background go? Uh, I would say it started with, uh, competitively Gwent. And from there I went on to Artifact and then to MTGA and I play it in tournaments and all those games. And I kind of settled on Mythgard, honestly. It's got the best of all those games combined. So it's, but you're more of, I guess, a recent player you're saying you have a lot of hours of Dota and that and those types of, of games, I would imagine. But um, was you say Gwent was your first real foray into a competitive outlook of CCGs, but were you ever dabbling in card games prior to that? Uh, I mean, Pokemon as a kid, but I go. wouldn't really <laughs> compare that. Yeah, there, it, well, Pokemon, I mean, there is a competitive, I guess culture around pokemon but um I, I i would lie if i say i know anything about it i know the rules of how to play pokemon i think i the my most recent adventure into that game was i think they released like a browser-based uh not browser-based a um mobile version of pokemon that you can play and collect and i think i played maybe about an hour or two of that before i got my butt kicked by anybody with like what the hell are these like ex pokemon that are just like enormous with like 300 hp i don't get it man like <laughs> it's a whole different uh a whole different world but uh, you're saying that you, you sort of settled on Mythgard because of the fact that it takes a lot from different card games and what if you could just elaborate on that because everybody has their own appreciation of the game or maybe even disdain for some of the elements of Mythgard, but you're saying that it, it sort of took from, you said Gwent and, and Artifact and Magic. So what are these elements that you're seeing from other card games that you have now, um, you know, that you, can, that you can identify in Mythgard? Well, starting with Gwent, I think uh, the consistency because of the whole burning situation and a 40-card deck, you're able to kind of have... Uh, more consistent games than you normally would, let's say, with Magic. And uh, as far as the mana system and Magic goes, I love that. Gwen doesn't have that. And uh, the lane system from Artifact, it adds so much complexity and depth to the game. That's one thing I, I certainly am a fan of, is the fact that, much like a chessboard or any other type of strategic uh you, you know the placement matters whether you're flanking or just you know running up the gut guns blazing it's it's important to properly place your minions and, it, and it's 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 an element to the game that i'm glad makes sense that not everyone can block and not everyone can always attack the proper way so uh i can see what you're talking about there though i mean yeah. um and in terms of consistency what's interesting about this game is that Gwent has a 25-card deck for the most part. Um, Hearthstone is 30 cards. And then after that is, you know, Mythgard with a minimum 40, and then Magic with a minimum 60. So in reality, it has, of those four card games we mentioned, it has the 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 second most uh, cards in a deck, but the consistency still managed to go uh, to be something that 
people are very on board with. So um, it's interesting that you should, you know, touch upon that. Um, I mean, then again, there's magic with the the land system that I don't think will Ugh. ever. I don't think it'll ever get fixed, but no, uh, you know, and it's a whole other. Uh, that's a whole other podcast. But um, uh, we want to get into the actual changes that we saw in the most recent patch. I don't know what the patch. What's the patch number? Like patch. Uh, Got to find the actual patch notes, but um, I don't know what the number was actually. I don't uh, remember what the number we'll, was. We'll find it. Yeah, we'll find it. But uh, the patch, the, the most recent patch, has landed, and uh, we're very, very happy with it for the most part. There's a lot of people who are um, just all about it, and it has definitely reinvigorated a little bit of what the meta can be in terms of just, uh, you know, it, it just it like rolled a grenade into the meta and just blew things up a little bit, and people are just kind of waiting for the smoke to clear to see what kind of pieces they could put together. Uh, with what has changed uh patch 0.17.2 is what we're calling it there it is wow there's been 17 of them huh Hmm. well there's been a whole bunch of stuff this is the 0.2 version but we want to touch first on i suppose the non-gameplay element which is the ui and i want to know what your both of your first thoughts is on the upgraded ui i think this is like that maybe second or third pass in terms of ui changes that we've seen since like closed beta so what is your initial impression now uh, looking at what the user interface looks like. Well, for me, at least, it's a huge improvement. I love it so far. Um, when I would show Mythgard to somebody new, that would be, that's their first comment, is the UI needs to be changed. It, there's just too much going on, and I really like this kind of minimalist, clean look that they have going on right now. Yeah, I agree. Especially for mobile, because uh, I think on mobile there was it was everything's you know smaller scale. It looked and it looked a little crowded. I think it looks a little bit cleaner. The buttons look a little larger, which is good for mobile. Um, I think they made it more mobile friendly with the new UI. But new UI is always, in my opinion, the most exciting thing. I'm always excited when oh we're gonna get some visual changes. It just feels refreshing to have uh, visual changes every once in a while. Yeah, certainly. Um... And the fact that there's so many different modes already there, having a clean UI is something that's very important. And, and on the list of priorities for people, it's it's difficult when you're a developer, I would imagine, when you have something that's still fresh and new. You want to be able to release a good product and kind of work on it and have people play it while you're still improving it. And I would imagine if you're Rhino, you're just getting this influx of feedback constantly, 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 be it cart changes, be it... Um, feedback to the actual, let's say, rule set or balances. Uh, But UI is something that they've always had to wrestle with in terms of having um, prioritizing it over Mm -hmm. other things, wherein it's not necessarily a bug. Uh, You know, the UI isn't isn't the bug issue, so it's definitely low priority from that that regard. It's not a, a, a glaring imbalance to a specific card or archetype. So that sort of deprioritizes it. But at the same time, it's the first thing that you meet. It's the first impression that you get from a game, right? Um, it, it's, it's the first thing that you interact with even before basic economy or gameplay. So I feel like it's, it's the, you know, it's like getting a, having a bad UI is like meeting someone and getting a really limp dead fish handshake from them. You know, they might be <laughs> a great person, but if, the, if that initial impression is off, it's going to take a lot for you to sort of, cleanse the palette of that first interaction and i think that they did a good job in this case it looks a lot cleaner and one of the issues i've always had with it was just kind of navigating from menu to menu and and you know let's say you want to change the 
the the deck art or whatever for a, a, a list, but you're already queued up for a game. It's like 12 clicks in order to get there kind of thing. And I think that they've done a decent job of kind of balancing the fact that there's a million different paths to navigate, but having it so that the, all the road signs are there and you are kind of go down those branches properly. Um, when you're looking at the UI, is there anything that you still feel needs to get cleaned up or, or dealt with? Maybe the way the rankings are listed. I still find it difficult to find me. And when I'm looking at like ranking lists, uh, it's I still find it difficult to find where I'm at. Like I got to scroll through it a lot to find me. Like it, like maybe a search, so I could just search, like a search button there, so I could just type my name in and find it. That's like really nitpicky, I guess, but um, that was always frustrating, and that didn't really change in the new UI. Oh, gee, well, yeah. <laughs> so that like that's but that's, that's nitpicky. That, no, I well, it's 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 not necessarily nitpicky. I mean, whenever I want to find myself in the ladder, I just scroll to the bottom, and I usually find yeah. myself. But bronze all the way to the bottom there i am (laughs) but in most cases you're correct i find like especially in terms of looking at a ranked or a ladder uh like a snapshot of that you're still kind of it takes all that information and really packs it into a small window wherein you have this giant screen well giant screen you know what i mean but you have a lot of real estate on a page in order to look at like this why not use it you know for instance if you look at the faction missions you have a whole page that even though it's just very basic information it takes up a lot of the screen and it's very well represented and it gives you a, a good snapshot of what that progression is however if you're looking to see who's on the ladder ahead of you behind you where you're at on it it really only utilizes like a 10 20 percent of your screen space in order yeah. to actually figure that out it stays in the like ranked that's... window right it doesn't leave the ranked window it just stays in that little left corner <laughs> exactly yeah and and i feel like there's a lost opportunity there especially you know, given the fact that I would imagine there's some type of competitive season coming around the corner, given the fact that it's this particular season of ranked is wrapping up very soon, which is something that we're probably going to get to in a future, a uh, future episode. The fact that it kind of snuck up on us, this like three month long um, round of, of this, this competitive season is already kind of wrapping up. So, you know, Actually, they're going to have to, it just got extended. I don't know if you, if you saw that, but they moved I, it to December 20th. Oh, I, Okay, still. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I that's still kind of wrapping up. <laughs> but well, that's it. So we're we're less than a month away from yeah. the fact that it's you know like we're four weeks away from that kind of getting all together. Um, wholesome from your perspective, you know, is there anything that's kind of just nipping at you and saying, you know, like I wish that this. It's obviously not a priority, but it's I wish that this would get cleaned up or or optimized. Uh, honestly, I need more time with the UI to really say, but you know knowing that this game was built cross-platform from the get-go, I understand why some of the UI might look a little weird on PC, but on on mobile, it's incredible, honestly. I've, I've yeah. since moving overseas, I've had to play on mobile quite a bit, and I'm just blown away. Yeah, it yeah looked, they, it's really good on mobile. Yeah, and it's tough because there's a lot to sort of navigate, and... One of the most annoying things to do on mobile is build a deck. I find it's always the pain in the ass to hit the search yeah. bar and then the, <laughs> the, the you know the the keyboard uh, application sort of pops up, but you have to do this and X out and accept. It is a very very annoying thing to do, and with the vast collection that Mythgard has in their core set, a pretty big 
slew of cards. It's, it's it's something that I don't think you'll ever be able to circumvent when you're on like a you know you're on your iPhone or you're on your whatever and trying to build a forty card cohesive deck without you know squinting too hard to see everything. But um, I'll say this that with the amount of features and you know, little nooks and crannies that you can explore, be it puzzles or arena or 2v2 or the ladder or your collection or your deck or your art or your portrait, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's so many different avenues to to go through that having this kind of UI constantly being upgraded is it's it's a good thing. And I'm really glad that this is something that they didn't necessarily push aside too much. I mean, this entire patch was massive from a perspective of what they actually tackled be it from the arena aspect which i think is what we're going to talk about now is the fact that arena also got some uh, a nice little injection of of you know uh, appeal from a perspective of somebody who's going to go play it you know or, or test it out or whatnot i love arena i love draft we've talked about this with caleb in a past episode from the limited perspective but Paths and powers, I feel, being able to... So the changes I should probably prelude to this this whole uh, part of the conversation is that paths and powers are now selectable before you start drafting cards. How does this change how you draft? It was not only that, but you also get to... You also get a choice of three. Like It shows you which three you're going to get to pick at the very end. So that that actually is like a double change, right? Because at the um, you would only get to see three at the end, but now it shows you at the very beginning. So you can actually start building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can start building your deck from the beginning of. uh, All right, here's the three that were laid out to me. So let me kind of gear a deck towards this. It definitely changes the way you build it for sure. It's absolutely incredible. I mean, you can like I'm all about the synergies and being able to you know kind of you know have a game plan in mind and then basically see what kind of cards you're getting. Um, I, I just love that aspect, and I think it adds so much power to all the decks in Arena and makes the games way more enjoyable. Yeah, and one thing about it, I feel, is that now that you know where you're going, you're going to have a better, you know, a little bit more confidence in what you're drafting, knowing that you're going to be picking certain things. Now, that said, I feel like the one downside to choosing your path and power early on is that there's going to be some absolute losers in this entire scenario wherein sometimes uh, you know i feel like it's this is this is the best possible thing for fires of creation and possibly you know maybe the worst possible thing for um you know reconstruction as a uh, as a reconstruct as a power let's say so it's going to help certain paths but again at the same time there's still going to be powers that are just not the best thing or like you know foresight as a power might not get uh, any love but what this does do is it does boost the fact that fires of creation is no longer uh, an auto you know or it, it's not it's no longer a, a, an auto pass if you're not if you haven't drafted more than three or four artifacts let's say it fires of creation is now something that you can really hope for that said it's definitely a gamble still you know you're still rolling the dice that you're going to be drafting the artifacts that you want but again now that there's six cards to choose from and the fact that there's the boost and call system i think that having this at the beginning is something that's very important especially since other card games already do it too to to decent success um when you're playing 
uh, you know, if you're, when you're playing Arena and Hearthstone, you choose your class before everything else. So you, you know if you're more geared towards Mage or Warlock or whatever, you know, or even if you just have quests or if you have something that you want to play, you have that opportunity to go down the path of something that you're familiar with, that you know how to play, and that you want to have a more um, interesting experience with, especially since, you know, um, I myself, big fan of Fires of Creation, same thing with you, Mark. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, playing it- Fires of Creation without this, the the standard package of artifacts that I'm very comfortable with, like your, you know, um, be it the stretcher package or green artifacts or whatever, um, it's different because you're going to pick Fires of Creation and not know what the hell comes up. So oftentimes yeah. it's going to lean you more towards pulling out artifacts, any artifact that you see, just to support that that path. Uh, and then you're going to be in colors that you're not necessarily comfortable with, but it's still a new experience. So I'm I'm okay with it. But you don't have to commit to the path at the beginning. You get the three choices, and then you commit at the end. So you can try and draft those artifacts, and if you don't end up hitting as many as you'd like or the ones that you prefer, uh, you can just switch to a different path. Yeah, yeah rest- and that yeah, it's a nice sort of like you know like rescue power shoot kind of system, right? Like a safety mm-hmm. net. There's also the system they added in about uh, up. What was it? I don't. I forgot what they call it. But you can like kind of upvote or downvote the color choice. So like you could pick. Ah uh, yes. Oh, I want the more. I want boosting. more. Yeah, the culling and boosting. That was it. So I like. Oh, I want. I want more red. So you could boost red, and then you can probably get stretcher. You know, more stretcher. Uh, or I want less uh, purple, and then they would like show you less purple going forward. You know, so that would actually really help with um when you're drafting, uh for if you, if you're trying to make fires, that actually would probably help a lot because this way you could pick one specific color that you know has more artifacts than another uh, which is the one that has the most artifacts is it red no it's not red who has yellow. the most i believe yellow has is a it yellow it's red, like yellow red and green has or a something? bunch as well uh green also i mean there's a, a fairly good spread might be that, even actually of, <laughs> might be even. Like in terms yellow of, has the best yeah it, yellow like, has the yeah best in one. terms of playability you're probably if you're playing a, like a, an artifact deck uh you're probably going to want to boost like yellow and green let's say uh unless you hit like stretcher early but you definitely want to be able to now that that there's the cullen boost system i don't know how i feel about cullen boost uh to be honest with you because as somebody who plays a lot of limited you know be it in magic and paper or whatnot i just love the fact that part of it involves just you know making um you know trying to grow a flower out of a pile of crap you know like that's kind of how the the a lot of the experience is not necessarily with the deck building and and making a a symphony you know it's a lot of it is just trying to do with what you have best you know um trying to create a a, a beautiful harmony out of a washboard and a, a a tub with a string kind of thing and you know on a on a deck porch in arkansas but like that's that's to me is the beauty of it and the whole call and boost system to me feels like a little bit of a crutch but i understand why it's there because of the fact that there's six colors and oftentimes you're just not going to get what you want uh in terms of you know just selection but now there's six cards i believe to select and uh, so there's even more option call and boost gives a little bit more of a crutch in that scenario are you guys for the call and boost system i know that you guys seem to be leaning more towards the, f- the fact that it's like a very very good thing i just like to say the word culling really <laughs> it's just a fun word to say the culling you know it just sounds very powerful uh but i think the system's cool i i, I kind of like i kind of think it's almost 
a little bit cheating the system. I mean, the whole idea of a draft is that you don't know what you're going to get, right? So if you if you kind of have more control over what you're going to get, then what what are we what's separating this from constructed? You know what I mean? Like we're getting dangerously close to constructed. So I kind of agree with you in that. Like I don't really care for the calling and and um and uh, and boosting or whatever, but uh, but I definitely think the path change was needed. So other than other than that, I think Arena is doing just fine. I'm all for the boost in calling. Like, if I draft something like a hoarding hero or something with a lot of synergy, I definitely want to try and capitalize on drafting that card. And allowing me to do so just means the world. Yeah, but that's the risk of draft, right? Is that you, you're trying to build something that's cohesive, but then you could get the chance that you don't get that. So if you're just increasing your chances to get exactly what you wanted, then that's... You know what I mean? Like, it just feels like we're just going into a constructed match. Uh, I don't I mean, know. Maybe this is a personal opinion. Arena, we're playing three play, uh, three colors, right? And sure. And mostly constructed six to two colors. I don't know. I so, watched someone play a mono purple today in Arena. So. Well, that's, that's the thing right now is the fact that a lot of it is that you're trying to just... Uh, and we discussed the strategy of drafting earlier on where that, you know, you typically your first six to eight rounds, you're just drafting the best card and then you don't have a, uh, you know, choose an identity until you have to and you start, you know, figuring out what what you have that's working and what might not work and you sort of center around your big pieces. But I find with the culling and boosting now, you're not going to see there's certain cards, colors that you're just not going to see, certain card colors that you're going to have a very low chance of seeing, and then everything else. And now that there's more cards to be seen, it's going to be a scenario where three color decks are not are not as important or not as likely because of the fact that there's this call and boost system, an extra choice, and the fact that you'll have um, the odds in your favor of saying, well, let's just, uh, you know, my first five cards, three of the three of my best card choices were blue and red. So I'm just going to boost blue and red and call uh, yellow and green, let's say, which might not co- be very uh, good to to match with those colors, let's say, and then we go from there, and then all of a sudden, it's you just you just literally select everything that you can from those two colors, and it's no longer a problem. Like it's it, or deck building is is a little bit easier, playing is a little bit easier, and mana management is a little bit easier as well. I think that with the culling and boosting and the extra card slot selection. Playing three color decks in uh, limited is going to be a matter of preference and not a matter of necessityness. Let's say. I wish that there was be interesting. I wish there was a way to do this competitively. Like I hope that that's something. I know we've kind of touched on this a little bit about doing a ladder with uh, with draft, but I kind of hope that there's a system, kind of like the tournament system we use for. Uh, the other uh, like the gem wars and things like that but I kind of hope that there'd be one in the future for drafting so we could set up competitive draft that would be really cool I think I'm not sure but maybe there will be a draft ladder an arena ladder yeah arena ladder would be great but like if there was like some mode where we could set up like okay here's 10 players and they're gonna like I we talked about this a little bit with Caleb like they're like they do it in, in eternal where they do like the sealed um the style that you like, Flake, where it's the one where they pass the, they keep passing the cards draft. or the deck, yeah, yeah, yeah. Draft. the draft, yeah. Um, if there was a way to do that in Mythgard in kind of a competitive tournament setting, that would be really neat. I don't know how doable that is with online stuff, but that would be pretty cool to have that. I played a couple artifact tournaments that were kind of that format. Started out as constructed, and then top eight was a draft format. 
Yeah, that's that's kind of neat. Well, it was really cool. I think with these changes that they made, it's gonna it's opened the door to do more things like maybe like that. There was a, um, I mean, given the fact that Hearthstone's limited culture is very strong, an arena mode in Hearthstone has a lot of dedicated followers to it. They did eventually, Blizzard did eventually cater to that community and release statistics of, I believe it was average win rates uh, or average, average amounts of games won per arena run. Knowing that it's a three losses and you're out scenario or, mm. or whatnot, it became a scenario. Uh, uh, it became a, um, a a very big badge of honor to see where you sat. Because if you're averaging seven wins per per run, you're doing excellent. You're doing very good. And I don't know what the top of the ladder was in terms of you know, but they would release those statistics and have like a a monthly update where they would release the top 100 arena performers with X amount of minimum games played or X amount of minimum arena runs or whatnot. I think that that's something that they could actually do over here with with very good success if they did that and i'm again i'm not saying that I, I i only play the game because there's a badge of honor at the end of it or some type of trinket or some type of trophy i play the game because i enjoy the game but i would be a lot more enticed to grind uh myth uh, not to, sorry to grind arena if uh if there was a um some type of you know ladder system to it and you know wins and losses not necessarily are, are the best way to make that happen like for instance magic has the same ranking system they have the same ladder uh for constructed as they do for limited if you win you gain a, a spot if you lose you lose a spot and then you progress the ladder like that i don't think that that would work here i think it has to take from the hearthstone perspective of tossing in that kind of average win per run average wins per arena run i think that's one way to do it but that might need a, a complete revamp of how they make arena gauntlet and all that other stuff happen but um i i really would like to see them have some type of um statistic release and that is officially acknowledged with some type of prize structure to it and we could talk about you know finishes and stuff like that and competitive ladder and everything um till the cows come home because frankly there's still nothing settled we still don't even know what the prizes are going to be for the top uh finishing players on this particular constructed ladder right we have no idea what's associated with finishing first and finishing last and whatnot and everything in between um again we're here to talk about the the changes and and with arena being a, a big one the one that we we you know not that we skirted over but we specifically say for last is just just this gigantic influx of card changes and tweaks and balances. Uh, and if you haven't seen them, if you go and check out the mythguardgame.com website and click on news, you'll see the latest patch with all the notes and everything. Um, I want to just ask you guys your first impressions of the patch. And uh, as it was announced uh, a little while ago, and then uh, as it as the details of it were slowly leaked out via Discord by Foo, um, eventually it touched down uh, midday on Friday the twenty second, and now we're you know about a week into it. And I want to ask your initial impressions of everything we saw from a card balance perspective. And wholesome, I'll, I'll let you start on this one. Um, we're going to go into every single card and we're going to do kind of a, a very, very quick run through evaluation of every single change. Uh, but I just want to ask your, your initial impression of it. My initial impression was hype. 
absolute hype. I love the idea that they're just buffing cards that aren't played. And only a couple cards got nerfed. I mean, a handful, I guess. But the fact that they're making a bunch of cards that aren't played and constructed, you know, everybody's just testing around, seeing what they can get away with right now. And I love that. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I have my own thoughts on, you know, buffing and nerfing cards. But Mark, I want to get first before I want to get to your initial impression. Just, to, you know, like the first wave of cards that came through and just seeing yeah. what was changed and whatnot. But now you have the full picture of it. What do you think of the, the changes that occurred? Well, uh, I got very excited about that stretcher didn't get touched. <laughs> so I immediately queued in with my stretcher deck. And the first game I played against was a green-yellow. And I got my ass kicked. And I went, well, that's the patch, I guess. <laughs> and so uh, my first impressions were, well, I guess not much changed. But as I got more deeper into it and I started nitpicking certain cars, I, I saw like, oh, okay, I see how this got buffed and this got kind of nerfed a bit. And what I like is that they didn't just... Uh, go crazy with uh, nerfing all the cards that were considered too strong. They also went through a bunch of cards that were underutilized and gave them a buff, which I think is really neat. And they also changed some abilities, and I will say one specifically because one of my favorite cards, which is Lort, and he got a complete overhaul, basically, and he has a, like a brand new mill ability. Uh, and I really like that because it made it a little easier to try to justify to put him into a deck now. So I like that they made changes to cards that people normally wouldn't play and now i've seen more people play them including myself today i played a bunch of stuff that i've never i've never played these cards before and i finally put them into a deck and i'm like wow these are fun yeah the interesting part about this is that a lot of the times the card changes that you see from a, a nerfing buffing perspective is involving the cost or the standard stat line right where mm -hmm. it's either oh we're gonna make it one more point expensive or we're gonna nerf the the strength of the unit by one blah 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 there's so many different dynamics that of cards that were touched and we're gonna go through every single one of them but one thing that i want to talk about uh, real quick before we dive into every single card that got touched and kind of give it a little bit of a once over is the fact that I do not necessarily agree with the fact that every single card that is not particularly played on, on you know, needs to get a buff. Because at any point, there's going to be cards that you see that are not going to get played. It's just a fact of the matter. Oh, sure. Because, and, and that's the thing. And if you continuously say that, well, this card doesn't see enough play, let's buff it. And then it only sees play because it needs to be buffed to a point where it's an attractive uh, an attractive uh, option for you, wherein it then replaces something within that card's sphere of either cost or utility, and then that replaces whatever the hell was there prior to it. So from that perspective, I feel like if you're trying to make every single card equal and playable, that you just can't do it because there's too many layers to cards to make sure that everything, you know, like a Blood Idol at two cost is not the same as, you know, um, let's say a Venom Fang at two cost or a Stone Mother at two cost or, you know, Assault the Fields at two cost or, or whatever else. I'm just saying that when there's an outcry for people who want to see absolutely every card in, in on every single day that you're going to be playing a game, you know, there, are, there has to be cards that are not necessarily good today, but that may be good tomorrow. For instance... You know, artifact decks are good, they're fun, but they're not tier one because there's not enough artifacts to support them. So what do you do? Do you buff Fires of Creation so that when new artifacts yes. come out, 
then then fires of creation all of a sudden becomes op and everybody plays yes. it and then everyone cries for a nerf yes i know you say yes <laughs> but i'm just saying that um in the long in the long game cards will be released and everything will kind of come out you know and you talk about this from other types of card games i know that it's it's a, a stupid meme that i kind of perpetrate but in gwent i always talk about buffing the arcaspore and saying that why does the why is the arcaspore like the only plant tribal in the entire yeah. game Make when are thrive. we getting more plants and this and that and whatever and it's what it is what it is i'm just saying but like down the line other you know vampires might get more uh you know so that the straight the strigoi that makes them cheaper then it becomes playable because if you're complaining that that card is not playable now well down the line there's going to be a good chance that that card becomes playable well, so here's the thing though they didn't i understand what you're saying but a lot of the cards that i'm that I was specifically mentioning that I actually didn't mention anything specific other than Lord, but uh, a lot of the cards didn't get an overbuff to make it super attractive where hell, I got to put this in my deck. It was more of their ability got slightly tweaked to make it a little bit more. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, to make it a little bit more cohesive with other attractive. decks to attractive. Sure. But to make it a little bit more synergistic with other type archetypes. Right. So like one mm-hmm. of the biggest things with Lord, his pro the problem with Lord was that, um, he was a tough card to keep alive, uh, and it was uh, it was like really one of the only mill, very few mill options. And his ability was that he um, he got rid of uh, what he banishes the top two of your opponent's deck every time he breached. Well, now they made Lord uh, a lurker, so now you can protect him from getting attacked and immediately removed off the board. And now he gets a he gets the power uh, ability, so now his power increases every time that he uh, breaches. And then it increases the amount of cards that you're milling. So they actually made him a really big mill component. So now when you're thinking about, okay, I need to make a mill deck, Lort's like really kind of what you're going to go to to build that. But it's not impossible for someone to remove it. They just made Lort more attractive to want to try to make a mill archetype. And that's kind of like what I like. It's like they're, they kind of encourage other archetypes from taking a little bit of a scene now to kind of, I guess, broaden out the types of archetypes you could do. I have this weird feeling that we're one expansion away from Lort being public enemy number one. And I can't um, wait for that day. <laughs> no, I, I, I definitely agree with you in that, in that, in that regard. I do think that it's going to be, uh, there's going to, I'm telling you, there's going to be a day where people are going to be just clamoring for this card to, to go away. Because oh, sure. It's, it's once it's one support piece away from, ruining everyone's experience yeah um, i mean i mean no i said it today on my stream because i've been trying to make mill work for a long time this is the the closest to that i've been able to make mill work now with the way lord uh got buffed but i said like if there was just like one more card that made it so that my opponent discarded something or drew something extra if there was just one more card that did that that would make this feel so much better and i feel like we're that like you just said that's that one expansion one or two cards away from making lord just absolutely disgusting I'll agree. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely agree with the fact that like, and this is what we're talking about, right? Is that you don't need to buff things to the point where you have to play them because they're so good, but Lort is part of an archetype that is not fully supported yet. Right. Um, it's not a focus you know, archetype, right? It's like a support archetype to something else. You right. Know? Yeah. And you know, it, it's, it's that right there is one of your anchor cards for mill because it's definitely has one of the mill thing, you know, the, the mill dynamic of it, much like necromantic is an anchor card for the reanimator, um, reanimation yeah. type decks. Um, so 
it, it feels like, you know, imagine if there was another card that really uh, boosted reanimation or there's another card that really boosted mill. Then suddenly these pop into the um, the meta and you're wondering, you're like, man, does does Lord should Lord lose Lurker? You know, like you're going to get to that. Oh, point sure. Where you're oh, like, sure. Or make it more expensive. Yeah, should Lord <laughs> maybe um, have start with one energy and not two? You know, so I feel like when you go ahead and you over nerf or over buff a card, uh, or sorry, rather over buff a card to make it attractive to play, it's because it doesn't necessarily have what it what it needs to be playable at that particular time. That isn't to say that it's not going to be a card. Uh, that you want to play down the line and and one of the i mean in magic it's very much uh this is something i learned early on where cards that are bad today are one expansion of away from being auto includes in certain archetypes and i know this because i used to buy it and and trade and sell my uh, magic cards as they kind of came out and new sets would come in and decks that i play were no longer viable and then cards that i used to sell and trade in for like five bucks a set later would be worth 20 to 25 because suddenly that card is necessary for a whatever deck that is super powerful. So, um, you know, it's not a clean uh, uh, comparison, uh, especially in the digital format. But I'm, what I'm saying in this case is that over buffing cards to make them, you know, uh, attractive to play, it sometimes it, it, it just kind of it creates a future problem wherein okay well lort is really good now so maybe i'll play some mill because mill right now is not good because there's not enough things but this car one card is really good yeah when more mill support comes out it's it suddenly we're back at the point where like it, it, this happened to fire eater right fire eater got buffed and nerfed and buffed and nerfed a they few actually times they actually put fire Eater right back to the ability he had before they nerfed him <laughs> Exactly. Remember we talked about it in the last podcast. Remember I said, "Oh boy, I hope they bring it back to its old version where it cost one power to deal damage, the fire damage." And guess what they did? That's exactly yeah. what it was. <laughs> yeah, and rightfully so, I would imagine, because there's you know nobody rides for free, and neither the fire eater does either. So in this case, that's where we're at, and uh, we'll see how this goes. But um, all right, so I'm gonna go through every single card, every single card, and I want to take you know like 30 seconds per card here so that we can just kind of bust through these and just talk about them real quick. So the first one I want to talk to you about is we'll go with color by color, Blood Idol. Blood Idol went from a three cost one seven, you know, defender life tap immobile to a one four armor one for two. Now hit me with your thoughts on each of these. So I'll give you each about 15 seconds and, and kind of give it a little bit of a rating. Blood Idol, very playable. Uh, I, I think it's looking it, real good. I don't think it changed. <laughs> I just uh, like, I haven't seen anyone try it yet. So uh, I just for me personally, I just think it's uh, it's still good. Like I thought it was good the way it was before. But this to, to me personally, I just it, it means nothing that that buff or nerf or whatever I call it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, Blood Idol to me is it's a card that's very attractive. Uh, Aggro itself just kind of got kicked in the teeth a little bit uh, this patch, but I feel like Blood Idol is in that spot right now where you're in the two drop spot in yellow, which sometimes you want to play Yahui. Uh, but if you're playing this as an immobile unit, it's not like you can, it can be danced around. It's a very very strong anti uh, anti aggro unit, but in the yellow slot, a lot of the times you're dropping Maze of Yatika, which is already a defender and and um immobile so adding more of that to clog up a board might not be the greatest um i'll say it's a good change but i don't think it's a big enough change to have an impact i just um, don't i don't personally like immobile units so it's not really something that i would be looking at yeah me neither uh riot guard the riot guard uh, you know went from after con uh 
after defending in combat, the minion it exchanges with is stun. Now it's after any combat. So uh, it's a one, two for two, and the stun ability. I like it. I think I think you can do some cool stuff with this. Uh, use like teleporting it around the board and stunning and stalling. Uh, yellow's the king of stall and just giving it more tools to do that seems good. Mark. Yeah, this is another one that I didn't really use a whole lot. Um, I don't really think the change is that major, really, but uh, this might be a card that is a little bit more attractive to. If you're looking for an early yellow drop, this might be a more attractive card now to drop in. Um, I, I've been trying to make an all-soldier yellow deck for quite a long time, so this might be something I try out now, now that this got a little bit uh, of a change. Yeah, I'll say this is a pretty insignificant change. This card's not going to get played either way. So I truly believe I, it. I think it really just depends on the meta, guys. Um, yeah, true. A card's only as good as the meta it's in, right? Yeah. So we can't really say too much right now, but I, that's what I was going to say when you were talking about overbuffing cards, Flake, is... I don't think they're over-buffing them. They're only going to be as buff as the meta they're in. That's what they said. It's well, like at the gym. <laughs> well, I'm, no. I mean, let's be fair here. You can over-buff a card. And the meta... Oh, for sure. And the meta will just gravitate towards that card eventually. But Well, expansions uh, always shake it up, right? Expansions will always shake it up, no matter what. But but I don't think with this balance patch, they they definitely made a card that, oh my gosh, this card has to be played this is just too good not to be played yeah i kind of agree there i don't think there was any one card that feels like that or so far yet anyway uh bob bonsai vaquero is now able to target anyone instead of just the actual opponent that, so, i never played this card i ever like uh, a bunch of people tell me how great this card is and i've never played it and like now i'm kind of like well uh, maybe i should give it a shot now Bob yeah. is a great card if it's a win more card. And so you need a, you need to have it, you need to protect it. You need to have the excess mana to play it. Uh, and you can only do it like once per turn. So it's not exactly, you know, it, it, it's not exactly the greatest thing in the world because you still have to pay for it. It's yeah. Expensive. And then you're, you're kind of gambling on the fact that the card you draw is going to be expensive enough in order to have an impact on, on it. Now, that said, you still draw a card. It's still pay three to draw a card, deal damage. It's exceptional. And it has the same lurker status and and, um, and cost and stat package as Zolea. Um, but Zolea, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, I was finished with no, that. I was just gonna say, <laughs> Zolea has free actions and yeah. this guy paid three for it. Um, I think that, if if you're building a deck that is a control deck, this is kind of like a. Uh, if you don't have Zalea, this could be a, a reasonable alternative. But I still think that this would never make it into somebody's deck that is not heavily geared towards uh, heavy control. Yeah, this is um, to me. I don't think this card is going to get. I don't think that's enough of a change to make this card get played more because. The, like I said, it's expensive. It's five for two gems, and then it's going to cost you another three mana in order to deal, uh, draw the card and deal damage, um, which is that's eight mana that you need in order to do this if you want to try it in one turn. If you wait for Bob for the next turn, you know Bob could get easily removed because your opponent might be holding on to removal to for a card specifically like that. That's like a big card for them to get rid of. 
Um, so I don't really think Bob is going to see bigger play. But however, I think Bob is actually kind of interesting in an arena format. So you might see him over there a little bit more. I agree. All right, let's go on to the next one. This is one that really hit me real hard is Harvester. I do not like this change to Harvester. I think <laughs> it's an okay change. But Harvester to me was a workhorse of a card. I think that the stat distribution, the abilities, and the gem restriction of three yellow gems for the cost, I think, was perfect right on the money. Um, it was very much a it was like it was like a a can't lose play. It was a big body with a life gain ability and uh, a favorable demise effect. So I thought that it was a card that did not need to be touched because it's not a game changing card. If you're if this gets played against you, does not you're not crapping yourself in fear. It's just a six six with no overrun. However, it was a nice catch up card that you could play to stall out and maybe get back into a game. I thought that hitting this with the dem changing the demise effect was unnecessary, and I'm pouring it out for my boy Harvester, but. Um, adding a maze of Yatiku instead of just straight up drawing a card is it's, it's just, it's adding extra steps. It's too many middlemen now. Yeah. All I'm going to say about this card flake is get that corn out of my face. That's all I'm going to say. Get corn out of my face. Correct. Yeah. I dusted both my harvesters. I need that sweet essence and <laughs> I don't see myself wanting to play maze after my harvester just died. I need to reestablish my board. I can't take another turn to just sit there and play maze and hope for to draw a better card off of it. And yeah, I'd a, rather I'd rather play one of the twins in that slot. Yeah, agreed. 100% agreed. And I would rather burn that maze of Yatiku for mana rather than play it. I mean, by the time that this becomes um, you know, a, a an effective card, you're on turn 6 or 7 or 8 or whatever, and a maze of Yatiku is not a card that you want to have in your hand at that point. Uh Miso Libre, I think this is a very 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 fair nerf and one that i'm upset about because this is a card that i abused the hell out of for a long long time miso libre <laughs> losing just one health bar um is is a fair it's a it's definitely a fair nerf you're no longer getting fair trades with things like um iron belly wyvern or um you know uh, let's say uh, a valkyrie tough and things like that things that have three attack right out of the bag uh miso libre having that 3-4 ability now nerfed to a 3-3 is kind of allowing this card to be a fair inclusion to a deck, but not an auto-inclusion. I agree. I think his stall ability, inc including the trading up with the 3-4 that he was, is just a little too much, especially when Yellow has like Helm and Alama Ring and other tools to make him even buffer. I just think, yeah. This is a super uh, fair nerf to this guy. I don't think that there's a, um, I don't think it's a, it's a big deal because I still see this card this whole weekend. I've seen this card constantly still. So because the cost didn't change and it's the ability is what you were putting it in, in for. But the only thing, like you said, is the trade ability is a little different. Uh, so that does, I think out of all the, the cards we're going to go through today, this is probably the fairest and most tiny little change that actually like you wouldn't think that the health makes a big impact, but it actually does without actually making the card completely unplayable anymore. All right, Scourges, a Scourge of Serpents now, uh, for all you sneaky snakes out there, you're no longer creating a 1 1 Temple Snake across from the enemy lane for twice the cost. Now you're doing a 2 2 Striking Viper with a push strike. Hell now, this was a yes. Card, 
Now, the problem with this card is that it's it's fantastic. It's great. It's awesome. You know, you're creating these uh, these two twos with Alpha Strike. Sounds amazing. You first need to make sure that you're losing by a lot in order to get excessive value off this, and then you need to also make sure that you're not you do not have any other creatures blocking um, the creation of these snakes by being across from minions. This is a card that in the mythic slot, you are very unhappy to pull out of a pack. Uh, in my opinion, this change is insignificant, means nothing because it's still a card that is never going to get played. I don't agree. I play, I actually play this card sometimes uh, because I go, when I go full on snakes, you know how I get what I, I told you, like what I get with my, uh, when I build decks, I go, here's this keyword and let's put every card that exists with that keyword in it. So when I do that kind of crazy stuff, I, this card goes in there. So I think it's kind of neat. Then I can create a 2-2 Striking Viper. But like you said, it's a tough card to pull off. I don't think you're going to see it at all. Uh, I just think it depends how, how much aggro we're going to see and how many go-wide strats. Uh, and it might be the perfect card in that meta. And think about oh, if you pair this with um, the Empress Serpentine Empress, that's a great combination right there. Because now you got Alpha Strike Snakes with uh, Deadly. I mean, even with the Llama Rings, like it could get out of hand quick. Sure. Uh, my issue with it is that if you're going to get a lot of value off of it, you're already way behind on a go wide board, meaning that you've already taken about three or four turns worth of damage, and you're only playing to catch up. And that's not. Uh, effective but i do see what you mean especially with the you know yellow's ability to get extra value off of their creatures and, and if you do have a serpentine empress to sort of back this up you could be great um but i feel like that's too many variables to really make this uh, a good card uh leading now to the fleeting thunderbird which in my opinion got the most most one of the most interesting revamps so the fleeting thunderbird now is a awakened plus one energy for every card in your opponent's hand, and then you can give it the uh, standard action of deal damage to your opponent's uh, to your opponent equal to the energy. The issue with this is this needs a volition to back it up, which has now also been nerfed. Meaning that let's say your opponent has a full hand of nine cards, you slam it down, and now you got to wait for one turn for your opponent to uh, just accept their fate of taking a crap ton of damage. And in that time frame, your opponent can respond to kill the, th the thunderbird your opponent can burn cards and play a cards to empty their hand as much as possible to lessen the effect of fleeting thunderbird or they can just like i said just kill it deal with it ignore it so um i feel like fleeting thunderbird's a very intriguing card but i feel like there might be uh some problems with it i don't really I feel have like you could make some some fun jank decks with it with ringmaster uh yeah there, there are a lot of things with Stretcher and Dragon Tooth. Uh, you could do some interesting things with it, but I think it's definitely uh, limited or for the jank players. I don't really have an opinion on this card because I don't have it and I've never played it, so and I've never seen it played, so I have literally no opinion play, on it. it. Yeah, you played it today, oh, right? Yeah. Didn't you? You played it today. No, no, no. Oh. I played it pre-patch pre where... Um, I had this thing where you basically in the old version where every time it breaches with and it has it had overrun, you, it gets plus one plus one permanently. Mm. So I had that plus that purple card that bounces it back to the hand to make it permanently cheaper. So I play it, bounce it, and then I would slam it next to a sidecar on a uh, on a on a, a giant stairway, and I would just so it would cost one. So you play it, you smash face. You play it, you smash face. It was an OTK deck. Uh, that worked one out of every five to six times. 
because you had to play three colors and you had to have a very, very specific uh, gem count in your bar in order to be able to sort of slam for 28 damage or whatnot. But um, by then, you already got rushed down because everybody played Red Rush and it didn't matter. So um, now let's talk about the Antivirus. The Antivirus is pretty much the same card, except now not only does it uh, create infect adjacent units on Demise, but at the end of the turn, this is a significant buff to this card. Yeah, I I love blight decks. In fact, I can't wait to make my uh, Michael Scott's race for the cure deck with <laughs> with the antivirus, uh, because uh, Yana, anyone who gets watches the office will get that reference. But the antivirus, um, like just having blight heavy blight deck was always a really cool thing. So I love that they buffed uh, Yanavirus, and uh, I can't wait to uh, play more. I've actually seen a lot of this this weekend. A lot more people are playing around with this card now. Yeah, I could definitely see people playing it, especially since uh eager recruits are kind of making their way back and more orange decks um they kind of went away when orpheum was a thing and then fire eaters kind of just annihilated all the eager recruits and i think this will definitely keep orange in check next we have the vibrant quest all um i mean we don't really need to talk much about it just got a buff one to the uh to its health bar hold me back to play yeah, I don't, I don't, it's nah, agile it's like and a, it has a. It's it's agile. I think that's its best. Yeah, uh, but it still gets taken out by so many things, so it's really not very yeah. significant. All right, here's yeah. a big one: volition, volition at three versus volition at two. My prediction for volition that it was going to stay at uh, two. However, it was going to be a double yellow gem. However, they just made it one more expensive. Yeah. Um does this change things? No, I've already I've yeah. already got my ass kicked by green yellow with freaking. Uh, the boneyard guy and he comes out and then you just throw a volition on it and it's otk i mean i know otks exist in all card games but man this just feels like i just felt like man it doesn't it doesn't feel like volition made any difference at all but i know that wholesome has a, said yes so I, i'm interested to hear what wholesome has to say about it well i think this along with the bald mountain nerf really slows the deck down i think they need a couple more turns than they used to and if you haven't beaten them by the time that comes around and they've collected all those tools, I think it's fair that they win in OTK me. Yeah, that's a very good assessment. And the fact, again, remains that this is likely going to be paired up in a green deck with Boneyard Abomination, of course, being one of your big boys that you can slam with. But uh, the fact that uh, that um, Bald Mountain does no longer cheapens your spells, this definitely, definitely helps to cull that entire strategy and this just makes it uh, excessively more important now to kill cola box when you see them so that they can't punch above their weight and have 13 mana in the bank in order to volition a few times and have those one otk decks i, I still think the archetype is alive i just think that the archetype is no longer tier s it's just tier one i think it's still a viable deck um venom fang mutant just got an extra uh, spot of health. I don't think we really need to talk about it, especially in the two drop spot. Yellow has a lot of two drops, and this is just another decent uh, option for for yellow. I think. I don't know unless you guys have anything to talk about this one. I think it's just sort of a skip over. Uh, more blight. I mean, there's not really much to say. <laughs> more blight. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> All right. Wonder drug got a nice little subtle buff. Um, I say nice little subtle buff. Because the amount of times that I'm on eight health and play a four life one card wonder drug versus when I'm on seven life playing an eight life two card wonder drug, 
uh, it always seems to be that one little, you know, health. But uh, Wonder Drug now allows you to draw two cards and gain eight life when you're on eight life or less when it used to be seven. Um, it just kind of makes it a, a sh a, like a smidge better. Uh, I don't. It does not. Don't, it's not going to change how this card is played or if it's included or not. It's yeah. I don't know card. why they did that though. I mean, it was already pretty strong at the seven. Why do we have to? make it eight i don't <laughs> i don't understand I, on, I honestly do not know um but they did it and uh sounds good to me um off to blue now stone mother just uh got a one point cheaper no one's gonna play this card either way i don't think this card really matters i play i play this card in my um in my defender only deck <laughs> so well, this, okay, uh, so this is fun for me I'm just going to blanket statement this. If your deck, when I say this is not going to see play, I mean it's not going to see play in like people playing competitive ladder at a high level, like in terms of big time constructed. If you're a if you are a deck designer who wants to play decks that have very thematic uh, approaches, like Mark's Defender deck or whatnot, or if you're playing a soldier deck and you want to include that stunning soldier, that's one thing. I'm just saying that you know this. This is you don't include this in a deck that's going to look to top eight in a tournament. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> uh, Braggy is next up. Braggy, very subtle change. Everything remains the same except the fact that you can no longer turn to frenzy with this bad uh, with this bad boy or second turn frenzy with it. Uh, frenzy now costs three uh, mana and energy rather than two. Um, I think that this is when rhino really hits it right on the head uh, of in terms of a nerf you want your mythics to be powerful braggy was always an auto included in blue and now i think it just made it so that it's not uh, an imminent like right away threat you're not dropping it and then playing uh, a blackened yotun on turn five and giving it frenzy immediately creating two massive threats on the board i think that this is a phenomenal you know way to balance a card uh and i think that this is a, a very very good balance i don't know what you guys think about this one i agree oh, i wholeheartedly agree that card needed some kind of nerf and i think they did a perfect job nerfing it the right way because he's warded in a three five it's kind of hard to deal with that in one turn depending on what kind of deck you're playing yeah this this and the next card that you're going to mention were cards that were becoming what we were talking about earlier about auto include cards and that's something you want to kind of get rid of uh you know you don't want to let that linger too long so i think you'll see a little bit maybe a little less braggy not really probably but maybe just a little less because i think a lot of people were only putting braggy in for getting the frenzy on turn two and so now that you can't get frenzy as quickly uh you may see people like I, a lot of aggro was playing braggy for that reason so you might see it definitely leave aggro decks but it's still a great card for uh for control or mid-range uh, Demolition Speedway is the one that you're mentioning here. This is a card that was very prominent pre-patch because it fit into so many aggressive decks and red-blue lists. Um, Demo Speedway now costing two, and I think a lot of people may underestimate just the limitations of double-gemming cheap cards. It really, really, really handcuffs you in terms of your path of progression of playing in, in, in early game. Um, if you're playing double-blue gem, for two cost, it means that you can't play any red for three turns. So, um, or for the first two turns. So it really, you know, it bottlenecks you in terms of your your lines of play. I think this is a very fair nerf because I think that this card is still um, it's it, it's good enough 
that you're going to put it in many cards and it's uh, many decks. And I think it's a card that can even have late, uh, you know, it's not a card that you necessarily hate drawing late game either. I think this is a good two, two cost card. And I think that the extra gem on this is the right type of flavor. My prediction was that it was just going to be plus one plus O in overrun. Uh, and I think that they just made it a little bit more uh, difficult to deploy means that you might be able to sort of, if you're playing against it, circumvent some some difficult choices uh, that you're going to be faced with. I think this was a fair change. And someone was saying how it, it kind of sucks that uh, sometimes you have to rely on the gem cost to nerf and buff. But this is a card where you don't really want to change its ability necessarily because the ability wasn't really the issue. It was how early it was being played and how it was being played that was the issue. So that this kind of solves that a little bit. And it slows down those aggro decks. There's nothing wrong with aggro, but there is something wrong with um, I'm lost. I'm absolutely lost the game by turn five aggro. That is just like that should not exist. So <laughs> this kind of slows it down a little and it, you can still keep it in your aggro deck. But you, it's just going to take you a little bit longer and you got to play a little bit better in order to get this card right. Yeah, I think it. you you were just able to take some early trades way too easily with mm -hmm. the one blue gem. All right, next up, we've got Draugr. Um, real quickly with this one, I think this is a, a cool card that can um, create some interesting combo-type decks, you know, slamming it down with a Freki sidecar and really just smashing through uh, a deck. But uh, it took a big, big boost in terms of costs. Three blue gems and uh, a seven-cost card, but it is a beast of a card yeah they gave it a hell of an ability buff and i actually played this card today because of that ability buff and every time i slammed it down my opponent removed it immediately because of how afraid he was so i think that uh like this card you're gonna probably see people try to play it but i think that people are definitely afraid of this card yeah i have not played this card or played against it so i don't have much experience with this one but it looks super interesting yeah i think people are eventually gonna find this card I think, gonna gonna, to it. I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna end up, and I'm surprised that it got such a big buff here because it feels like that's a myth. Doesn't this feel like a mythic card? Like the ability is pretty pretty large. Like it almost feels like a mythic kind of thing. Yeah, to a degree. Um, well, again, no warded. Yeah, no warded. No, uh, you know, no armor stuff like that. Uh, it's got overrun, but I mean, a lot of blue blue big boys do. Um, Tier Monomund uh, got a nice little buff, a uh, nice little like you know change to its abilities. Uh, I got no comments on this one. Yeah, me neither. I, I've had this card in my collection for such a long time, and I've tried to throw him into decks, and I've never really found a comfortable place for it, but I just don't feel like the, even the change is really enough for me to still justify putting it in. But I did see some people try it out today, and um, it, it's a good card, man. It's it, With Frenzy on it, it's pretty good, pretty good card. Yeah, I agree. I think it's gonna, we're going to see this coming up in the upcoming meta. All right. Um, now over to red. We're gonna well, we gotta pick up the pace on going through here. Uh, but all right, lightning Enyo, speed. Here we go. Lightning rounds. And <laughs> Enyo murders Muse. I got no opinions. Never played the card, and I don't. <laughs> I'm not particularly frightened by it. I am. I've, <laughs> I've been testing with this card, and it is quite nuts. Combine it with Red Carnival or Stairway, and you know, switching from a standard action to a utility action is insane you yeah, can activate a, it the same turn you play it it's nuts yeah uh, and at that point it, it just becomes a, a huge deal but i feel like you need to 
there's a lot that needs to go on for that to happen. I, I'm interested to see how that one flushes out. If I ever, you know, if it ever beats me, I'll, I'll owe you a Coke. Uh, <laughs> Howling Abyssal, uh, demise all players. So it's basically, it's another discard effect, but down to four, um, you know, four or less. So that just kind of, uh, again, uh, it's a card that usually never makes it into any nope. particular deck. Now, Flake, so. you're going to want to play this. I played it today, and I will share you the list. If you pair this with Dragon's Teeth and uh, Stretcher, and you make your opponent overdraw for a little while, and then you slam this bad boy down. Oh my! I won so I won a couple games today by doing this combination. And at that point, you don't care what you discard, and they just discard, and what you watch Stretcher just smack their face, and it's a beautiful thing because they do yeah, it on their turn, and then and then it just ends the turn, and Stretcher just hits for like twenty damage. It's crazy. Yeah, I've seen this happen. I mean, I've, this was in early uh, alpha lists of, of stretcher decks I've made, and it never really made it past anything because the amount of times that you have to slam it down, and then uh, also you have to understand that this hits you as well. So when you're both drawing cards from stretcher, uh, you're you're prone to losing losing out on this, and your opponent typically, if they're being stretched, will tend to play out a lot of cards. Now, it doesn't mean to say that you're not going to, you know, maybe hit a home run or two with this, but I think in for the four-cost slot, uh it's cool it's definitely a cool card uh i just you know i i feel like it's still not unplayable it's just not it's very thematic um panic raider now takes gives you a sort of a little bit of a hit when you uh when you play it i don't think that if you're red you even give a crap about taking damage if you're playing panic raider so i don't think it's a very def I don't think that the change to Panic a, Raider changes anything. It's a fair change though because it gives more risk to the reward, right? We talked we've talked about this before with Mythgard cards that for every risk there's a or for every reward there's a risk to the card as well. So this was one of those cards that was all reward, no risk. And so now it adds a little bit by taking one life when you attack with it. Yeah, good point. All right. Um let's see. Where did I miss that list? uh serapis false apostle no opinion on that one i don't know if you guys have anything you want to say no nope. i've never i never even played it <laughs> so yeah, perfect. wings of abaddon no longer has overrun uh, but it did sort of get fixed in terms of actually getting the ability change from um you know killing something so yeah uh, it's thank god for that. Ass, but thank but, god uh, it doesn't have overrun <laughs> yeah that would be crazy i think that the overrun with it was a little bit over the top i think this is a nice perfect change to it Agreed. Yeah, overrun was probably the only way that they could get through usually, and this is definitely going to slow red down. Avenging Alpha, just a little more difficult to deploy. Same cost, but an extra green gem. Um, I'm always okay with that as a as a change. I don't get get this nerf, but sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I didn't saying. really understand it either. I don't think that it was necessary, but no. that. You know, it's a it's a very subtle nerf because uh, by the time you're at four mana, typically you'll have the crystals to play it. Um, Bald Mountain no longer makes your spells one cost uh, reduced, though it is cheaper now to recover a card from the graveyard. I think this is a really okay change because I wasn't I wasn't thinking Bald Mountain was over the top, especially since you can remove uh, enchantments. But Bald Mountain now feelings on this change. It, it was needed. Definitely. I never just being able to combo that many volitions in a turn because of the reduced costs, even chaining deported detains. Uh, yeah, I can, I can see why they did that and I'm happy about it. Yeah. Green was getting out of control with the spells. Uh, so this is pretty fair. 
All right, deported now. Speaking of deported, detained. Deported now is two green gems, meaning you're going to need a nice bank of green gems in order to pull off a few of these in a row. I think that's a, a decent change yep. there. I'm like, I'm like makes it that. harder to do it in the same turn, which was very popular. You detain and deport all in one turn on a like on your ter- fourth or thir- fifth turn, which is absolutely crazy. So now it's going to actually uh, you got to think about it a little bit more before you do both. Yeah, not that big of a nerf, honestly. You're going to have a lot of green gems anyways with whatever deck you're playing this in. Uh, Dora, a card that is never going to be seen play. It's a self-mill type of strategy and self-mill uh, in Reanimator. There's other better ways to, to put the I, things you want in the graveyard. I don't get this one. Like, why? this this is It was already a card that wasn't really that great to begin with, and now you just made it worse because now I have to put the top card of my deck into the Boneyard? That doesn't make any sense to me. Like, why? why would I... This makes me not want to play it even more. Now, hold on now. Like we said, it might be bad now, but it might be integral to uh, future... Maybe. Self-mill, <laughs> man, I'm telling you. But there's nothing, that interact, there's nothing that interacts with self-mill yet, so that doesn't really... You know what I mean? Like, yes. there's no card that interacts... that Like, there's no benefit for me to self-mill just yet. Yet. Yeah. Yet. Uh, Wendish Giant. Wendish Giant, uh, pretty much the, we found where that gem on the Avenging uh, Alpha came from. The Wendish Giant just... Uh, losing shedding one of those green gems same card otherwise uh the invincible uh, the invincible city i mean your opponent gains two life is gone so that's uh out of there uh i never played this card either i don't understand why uh the giant got uh the ner- uh buff i really don't understand that was it because it wasn't being played enough i don't understand that card being buffed that's possible uh i mean it it at, at the in the four spot a five five for four it's just a vanilla type card i think it's okay but i guess in the four spot there's better things to play maybe um um let's see what else uh koshi koshi the death the death list just uh, got rid of the the negative element whenever your opponent creates a minion it, it loses ability i feel like this is a card that would never ever ever get a chance to ult given the fact that your opponent is just playing cards every turn and you're not catching up uh, as fast as possible so not a big fan of this uh i mean i wasn't a big fan of this card to begin with and i think that now it's still not a a good card but it's it's just a tough card to play it's really difficult to get this card to work right here's a great one night hag night hag no longer um it awakens it stuns the minion across from it but now it can move around yeah, that's pretty wild. <laughs> that's kind of nutsy. Yeah, but, I think we're going to see this in a lot of green decks. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be an, an uh, exceptional card, especially for the cost of three. Uh, it is a much better Miso Libre, uh, is what it is. Um, <laughs> pillage, take control of an enemy artifact, or banish the bottom five cards of an enemy Boneyard. Yeah, There's I, some I love this. Graveyard hate that you absolutely need. Yeah, I love this because this is I've had this card for a while that I didn't dust because I was holding on to it, hoping that I could do something with it at some point. Um, and taking control of an enemy artifact wasn't really viable. So now that I could do that or banish the t- uh, bottom five cards of an enemy boneyard makes it like, OK, well now I can kind of justify putting this in. I just love anything with or in it because mm. giving me extra decisions, I I just love that. I love the complexity. All right, let's uh, cruise through. Rewind text got uh, cost one more. Uh, I've always figured out that two removal for one cost is a little bit over the top. I think we're all right with this. Um, let's see. Give another minion minus one minus O and ephemeral uh, as a one drop. I think this is, it's all right. I mean, giving something ephemeral is a very important element these days, but. 
Yeah, this um, is going to go back into my experiment that I've been trying to do an all all in ephemeral, like making my opponent's deck completely ephemeral. So this is something I'm going to be messing around with. I think we're going to see this card a lot, just because it's going to you know make certain trades favorable, and on top of that, it's going to be denying Journey of Souls with the ephemeral. Yep, and it's cheap as hell too. Yep. Wake the Bones. Uh, this is something that was spoken to me by uh, Christo was talking about how this card needed to create uh, when it brought something back from the graveyard. Why was it not ephemeral? He's like, why is it not ephemeral when it comes back with Wake the Bones? It just does not seem right. And they made that adjustment. I think that this is a, a pretty hefty nerf. Definitely a hefty nerf, but I think it's a, a nece uh, necessary one. And I'm I'm okay with the fact that this is a pretty uh, pretty big kick in the pants for this uh, this card. Doesn't make it unplayable by any means. It just really makes certain card uh, certain sequences and you know infinite freaking short stags gone now. For sure. Yeah, this is a for you wholesome, I guess, right? Because you play a lot of reanimator. This this changes reanimator. Not really. Maybe your decision to put this card in, but it makes it a little bit difficult to have the endless continuous cycle of uh, hags, right? Or um, necromantics. <laughs> so it yeah, changes that I, a little bit. For sure. But I think it was more abused with Bald Mountain and just bringing back Sapo or, oh, true. you know, Armageddon yeah, yeah. Angel. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, Arden. Go? Yeah, Resupply Caravan. This one is something that people were clamoring for for a while. Basically, Resupply Caravan more or less the same scenario, minus the plus two, plus two for the desert. And now, so it got a buff. It's a three, three now all the time. However, it's no longer plus two plus two on a desert. And in order to get the uh, the action of giving her, you know, adjacent minions a standard action, they have to be occupying a desert. Now, there's lots of deserts in orange, but uh, does this make this card just, you know, does this wipe this card off the face of the earth now? No, I think you're still going to see it. It actually makes it a little easier because now I don't have to put it on top of the desert. I just have to make sure people next to him are on the desert. Uh, I think it, I think it's pretty much gone, especially because this is a rare as opposed to volition being a common. Yeah, I think I agree. I don't think the they're going to see this. Cost. Yeah, unless you're playing a desert themed deck where you can you can be reliably hitting a desert. You know, on the having a few of your square uh, lanes on the board being deserts. I don't think that you're going to be too happy about this. Then again, there's a lot of. It's not just a vanilla desert that you need. It could be anything that has a desert tag to it. So but I still don't think that this is necessarily the greatest thing in the world anymore. You might see it flash up here and there, but as an auto-include in orange, I don't think you're going to see that much uh, of that card anymore. Uh, all right, lightning speed. Let's let's uh, run out of time. Let's do a lightning speed. The all right, Deva of the Wastes. What do you feel about this one? Let's just give it a, let's give it a, a, a you know, a good, okay, let's just go. Good, good change, bad change, no opinion. Uh, no opinion. <laughs> Yeah, no opinion. Yep, same. Never played it. Never will. Uh, des uh, desertification engine. What are your feelings on this? Good, good change, bad change. No opinion. Great change. I don't have an opinion on this one either because this is another card that I never played. So no opinion on that. I don't won't have an opinion on most orange. I think this is a, a, an okay change, but again, I don't think it's a, by any means a, a card that you want to see or you you want to play. Ghoul, ghoul now double orange. Good change, bad change. No opinion. Good change. Leave Agreed. my boneyard alone. Agreed. Good change for definitely wholesome and for all you uh, necromantic players because this one was a real pain. Yeah, this is definitely a uh, this is a, a, a necessary change. One quick note about this is the fact that if you're playing against necromantic or you're playing against reanimator, you want to get this out kind of 
at an opportune time to drop it and play it and, and make it happen. But, um, you know, double orange, just again, it's a, it's a subtle change. Notarized reality? Uh, I got no opinion on this one. Confusing change. I don't, I don't know. Uh, it was giving plus one, plus zero if you did it to your own deck already. Now they just change it to do plus one, plus one. I don't really see the big difference, but uh, oh, sounds and good. It makes them zeal- and it makes them zealots. So that's true. Playing zealot decks, uh, that's pretty significant. I don't play them, so I don't care, but I, can, I think it's a good change for the card. Yeah, a good change might matter in the future. Parsa Divinity Cannon. Uh, it's no longer immobile, so it's got some legs now. Um, still not going to be played. I think it's a good change, though. I think it's a good change because you can move it around now. And it's, it's a cheap card to throw down. Hourglass, the Quicksound Hourglass. Um, meh. I mean, not interested. I don't. Wait, uh, what's the change? I don't see what the again, change was. There's, there's the, so many changes that I like. I, I, oh, again, you can't stack it anymore. Is that what the change was? It can't stack? That was the only uh, change. Yeah, so it used to be exactly. It used to be stacking. Oh, that, no that's stacking. yeah. Whatever. That's not really. I have no opinion about. But it that. has the. It's no longer an awakened ability. It's an activated ability. Choose one of your lanes. It's got a whole bunch of stuff. Again, it's. it's well, not, actually, that uh, that's actually better because I've in an artifact deck that's actually better because instead of committing to it right away in Fires of Creation, I could just make this so I get my Forgeling and then I could choose later which one it picks. So that's actually might be better. Um. Yeah. I just want to. I'm gonna actually just parse over a few of these one that i want to note that i think might actually start seeing some plays the shadow uh, shadow of our beast um shadow of our beast now gives fragile one to the three lanes across from it as well it's a decent body a three three gives everyone across from it uh, minus one minus oh but now also fragile three i think that this is a card that is going to see play in certain orange archetypes i want your thoughts on this oh for sure i'm already seeing it a bunch and i've been testing it myself um, in red orange with iron flesh performer, uh, you're going to be making some really nice trades. This, this car was already a pain in the ass, so I don't, I don't really, <laughs> I don't like that it got a buff. So, uh, you're probably going to be seeing this a lot more, unfortunately. Yeah, buy a freak. Uh, mind freak in purple. Um, so yeah, we're just going to zip through some of these cards here. But mind freak in purple is yes. a card I feel is going to be, uh, I don't say everywhere but very, very, very uh, prominent. And the reason being is that not just because it just increases something by two now, but it's a good one-drop play, like a good, you know, non-committal one-card play that you can always play at any time safely. It's not like committing anything to a board to get obliterated. But you can now cost things out of reach that you might not otherwise uh, uh, be able to deal with. So, um, you know... It, it, like idric beasts at eight are are now priced out of that range they're now 11 so green might not be able to play it all those expensive big boys that you might otherwise see on turn seven now are turn 10 plays not to mention pairing up for the uh, a few of these in a row they stack so you can make yeah. something yep. cost this... six more and and that card that is now in their hand that costs 12 or 13 is now unplayable so i think that this is a card that is going to be um it's you know it's an early burn if you want to play something or it's just an easy play to sort of round out your mana curve this is already a card i've been playing in my ephemeral uh experimentation decks and like i like this change because people still don't understand that for some reason i always see people burn the card that i just made ephemeral i and i don't understand why so i i actually like this change because now i could make a card super unappealing that's already very expensive make it even more unappealing and force them to have to burn it because they need the mana Great point. Uh, 
I really like this card. Mm-hmm. Same. I, really, I really, really like this card. Anything that kind of just dicks with your opponent's hand, you know, like oh, those it's are the best. So good. Those are the best. Because, man, like because it, it messes with their plans, right? Like if you think, if you suspect there's going to be a Sapo on turn seven, you just jam this on turn six and just say F your Sapo, you know, like <laughs> see him later kind of thing. Um, Misfortune now only deals one instead of two damage upon uh, with a demise effect. I think that's all right. Uh, Misfortune has gone through a few different re- uh, iterations. And I think that this is perfectly fair. I didn't think Misfortune was a big issue, to be honest with you. Neither did I. Can we can we but mention God of Gamers real quick? Because what the heck is the Homeward Crown? Where's God of Gamers? What's the Homeward Crown item? Have you guys ever seen that one? Uh, I have uh, not. I've never I have seen one. this card played either. I've never seen um, this card ever. I have seen this card because I picked it up in a draft once, but I don't think it had any effect. So I couldn't even tell you what the homework crown did. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I know it's a good thing. Uh, I just don't know what the hell it is. Um, but I think it's pretty, pretty insignificant. Again, who knows, man? Someone might come up and, and break it, but I don't know. Um, Master of Shadows, I just want to really touch upon real quick. I think Master of Shadows got a really, really cool buff. Um, because it's 1-1, one, one, Stealth Immortal Deadly. Everyone you create gets Stealth. Like, yeah, come the, on. The Immortal Tag, well, he already had that ability with the everybody gets Stealth. The Immortal Tag is what made this way stronger and crazier. Uh, I've been putting it into all my purples. Uh, it's a hard card to remove unless you have a spell that can just take it off the board. It, you can't move it. It's going to stay there. Um, and also, Suppressed Blight will take care of it. But. it. It's suppressed or blight or something like that, but um, if you're playing against aggro decks, this card is like their death sentence right here. Yeah, this card is is kind of begging for a hard answer from your opponent, right? I mean, you you it it dies to blight, it dies to a bunch of stuff. Let's just not, uh, you know, let's not pussyfoot around that fact. It'll you know suppression kills it and blight kills it, which is fine. However. You need to have those answers. So you're putting your opponent on that. Red won't have an answer for it because red won't be able to really suppress and red won't really be able to blight. So you're really hoping that it's either something like blue or yellow that can deal with it. This card, I feel, if it's played on curve, can absolutely terrorize just on its own. If you're standing in the way, uh, if this card is standing in the way of, of other cards, you know, suddenly your everything you, you play with this card on the board is a mystery to your opponent and it just jams up their their uh, thought process. Not to mention, if they don't have an, awesome, an instant answer to this, you just bounce this thing around and stand in the way of whatever the hell biggest nonsense that they have. So I think that this is a, a really, really cool, flavorful change to this card. Agreed. Uh, all right. Uh, I have a couple more I want to get to. Uh, Canine Cavalry. I think that this card is at one point going to be someone's going to figure this card out. Uh, drop it. Adjacent minions plus one plus one. Use power. Bounce it. I feel like this is just the card that late game you just play it, you bounce it, you buff your units, and you go. It's not a two-two body. It's just a, re- a recurring spell almost. That's yeah, still it's still kind of expensive for its ability, but. Yeah, we'll see. I have no opinion. <laughs> I just have no opinion. At the very least, it's a gnome petting a dog. So yeah, uh, Fire That's... Eater, we talked about this earlier, right? Fire Eater, we like the change. It kind of went back from being... This is a hard card to tune, apparently, because it just it went back from being like 
unplayed to they took away they made one minor ch choice and then it became the most powerful card in the game and now they went back to what it was before uh and now we're probably not going to see it because red players don't like to pay for things apparently yeah, the red players want everything for free, I guess. But uh, I think this change is great. It bounced back to what it used to be before they took away that uh, cost of one. So I like this change. All right. Oh, Fire's yeah. daughter. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, oh, we were talking about Lord. Never mind. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, bu -bu -bum. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, yeah, so we talked about Lord. We liked Lord. We actually kind of let off a bit with Lord. Uh, and we're going to talk about Iris Daughter. No longer is it just a one health restore across the board. It's just uh, fully heal adjacent minions at the end of turn. I actually, I know that it's a bit of a buff, but I do not like this. I like it when uh, I can have the heals across the board because sometimes just that putting your minion one above or like healing them by one is more important than healing the unit fully next to you. I like to sort of play this card on a full board versus next to something big um but that's just my own preference and play style so i'm gonna run with that but uh it's an interesting change and it might actually make this uh this unit a little bit more viable and and more apparent uh, i don't know what you guys think on this one uh it's all right i have no opinion <laughs> Again, I, yeah, I played a lot of this. I used to play a lot of this. Yeah. Um, and finally, we'll just say Plague Maidens. I mean, Plague Maidens are, are now cheaper, but they pretty much do the same thing. I'm waiting. I mean, you kind of see you've seen Plague Maidens in the past, uh, just kind of out there smashing face and, and doing their thing. Uh, it's a very cool deck that you have to build around, but Plague Maidens themselves are kind of, you know, I don't know if this is just going to make them flavor of the month flavor of the day or or you know all around stalwart of the meta but plague maidens themselves kind of uh you bump into them now and then and they don't exactly scare you that much i thought it was fine the way it was this is another one that i'm like i really don't know why it needed to be changed from four to three but whatever no i think it's a good change it's a uh, com more comparable to thunderclap now so for a board clear that's kind true of, sure but it damages your own side too so it's kind of more like I don't know, misanthrope or something. Yeah, the 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 thing about this card is that a lot of people would just slam it on Rizlan's Bite, which gave it armor one, so you can kind of just jam, like you know, can you use the uh, uh, its ability, you know, just w recklessly and and slam out a full turn's worth of of uh, you know damage across it, and it also kills you too. Don't forget. So this is a card I, I really want to play around, and I really want to play test it, and and maybe you know win with the problem is it's rare so there's only two of them so you have to find it first and then go from there but the good news about it is that it it's yellow green meaning that it has the green ramp ability and it has yellow for for life you know it has the uh the yellow as well for protection life gain you know yeah, longevity setting up wonder drugs with this is sweet yeah so you'll you'll it, it's the right color coordination to you know draw the cards stay alive and make this happen so good combo piece but then again when you're talking about yellow green and, and mention the word combo this is not the combo <laughs> piece that you're thinking about you're thinking more of volition and stuff like that so that's why i think that this card when you're building a deck that's yellow and green you, you know eventually you get to a point where you're like yeah it's cool to be you know intriguing and exciting and different and creative but or i could just win and play volition you know like it's <laughs> that's kind of like yeah. the, the thought process that happens for sure 
And uh, I mean, that does it. I know we skipped a few towards the end there for just for time constraint concerns, but um, that was a little bit of our insight on these changes. And like we mentioned, we, we do think that overall it's been a very, very good patch from a UI perspective, from um, an arena revamp perspective, and from a balance perspective. And we're still in that spot right now where the meta is still gestating and making sure that you know the dust settles before we can make a proper assessment of um, you know was it a great patch or a good patch or you know ultimately a bad patch because you never know next week we might be talking about the fact that lorts are out of control and we they need to be stopped so no never <laughs> yeah i never <laughs> not for me that's for um, me but i want to thank you again wholesome for offering some of your insights on these changes and all that it's been significantly fun to chat with you i mean not just here on the show but just in general you're a good dude and more people need to find you so how can they find you at wholesome gmng on twitter and same thing on twitch and yeah. i do have a youtube now actually. Ooh. so yeah there too plug that bad boy as well go check out our good boy wholesome again on Bye. twitter twitch and on youtube right Mm-hmm. Alrighty, Mark Theus. Again, uh, thanks again for making this a beautifully polished, as almost as polished as the UI. Almost. Our, almost. We have a million things to do, right? So you. That's can't... right. Hey, we're getting close to our, uh, our our close of our first season of this whole show, right? I mean, uh, we're going to be taking a little break towards uh, the end of December for the holidays, and then coming back in January with more uh, action. So uh, it's exciting, man. We we've gone through uh, twelve of these now, so. It's an exciting yeah. time to be alive. Yeah, we're probably going to maybe do like a 15-episode season, let's say. Yeah. And we're going to have to pull the plug and, and, you know, go ahead and remind our families that we still are alive. So, yeah, we exist. Uh, <laughs> so but thank you again, Mark, for doing everything. And again, you can follow us, everybody here on uh, the podcast. I'm mine, myself, Flake, at twitch.tv slash watchflake and on Twitter at watchflake and our good boy, Mark Theus wonderful producer of the show and co-host he's at twitch.tv slash mark and at mark on twitter and it's worth noting friends again that the winter wonder brawl is around the corner 98.3 media events are going to be uh making that one happen so free entry again to this tournament and uh a real yeah. brouhaha it's gonna be a brouhaha it was <laughs> it started off just as a brouhaha that's but a we've ha -ha. doubled up on the ha so yeah double the ha hundred percent more ha for this one but you want to get into it if you like the moonlight masquerade if you like gem wars it's all the same there again cash prizes to be won so sign up for that bad boy again for me myself here and for mark Lees, thank you so much for listening to the boneyard podcast and uh, we will see you soon my friends and uh, adios